I'm just going to read a, a few verses and then just get into what I believe that God would have for all of us this morning. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, it says in, in, in verse 1, Now faith is the assurance. Faith is the title deed. Faith is the substantiation of all those things that are hoped for, and the things that are hoped for are settled and true in Christ. For the, for the what? For the conviction. That's what it really says in the original. It is for this evidence, and the evidence is, is only equal to the conviction. So God makes real to us what we de- when we depend upon him. He gives us the conviction that there's an absolute assurance and so again, faith is that assurance that of things, the substance, the title deed, the proof of ownership, for things that are expected. And there's a hope and an expectation. This morning we had some time uh, to deal about expectations and what that means. And so, with Hebrews 11 verse one, with where it says, now faith is the, the substantiation, the assurance of things that are expected based upon the conviction that gives us that assurance, is they're not going to be things that are going to be seen, which has to do with natural thinking or fallen ruin uh, thinking in that fallen Adamic life. Psalm 62 and verse 5 says, My soul wait you upon God. The word wait there is synonymous with the word trust. Again, my soul wait you upon the Lord, for from him comes my expectation. And that's what he has to teach us constantly, that our expectation is Christ. What do I expect from God? other than the very best, and this is Hebrews 1 and verse 4, the very best that God could give. He's given us his son. What would fall short of what the Father considers to be the greatest expectation, that intimacy that he has, with, and he still has, and that he did, that the whole time that Christ walked the face of the earth, was his son and the Holy Spirit in a beautiful way preceding and participating in that, and proceeding from both. It says again, now faith is this assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to Cain a better sacrifice, offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony, the witness of God that he was righteous because Christ was his righteousness. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. This, was, this is Genesis 5 and verse 24. Because he was not, because, and he was not found because God took him up. 
for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, what was it? He was pleasing to God, meaning he was in his son. And that's the type of the rapture. Genesis 5 and verse 24 is a type of the rapture that that Christians will, some will experience prior to Christ coming back in his second advent. The rapture happens between the two advents, the two times that Christ appeared on the earth. The first time that he appeared on the earth, he appeared as the suffering servant. The next time he appears will be the glorified God and King of all. And we will be coming back with him in Revelations 19, 11 to 16. Now here is what it says in verse 6. Now, without faith, what is faith? It's a proper expectation. Who is our proper expectation? It's Jesus Christ himself. Without faith, complete dependence, and he, and he being our constant expectation, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. What is he? He's the greatest gift and the greatest expectation that God has ever given to those that have received Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's a really amazing thing. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So that we know that with faith, dependence, complete dependence, a fulfilled conviction that he is our only expectation and no one else. We don't make someone else our expectation. We do have fellowship. We do honor one another and reverence Christ in each vessel in Ephesians 5 and verse 21. But he, Christ himself, is our only expectation. And when he is, then I have intimate fellowship with him. Then I can have on that measure with another who has that, I can have that fellowship that 1 John 1, 1 to 3 brings out that we can all experience in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4. For he who comes to God, if he's not my expectation, if he is not my expectation, my only expectation, if he is not your expectation, your only expectation, will you come to God? Will we trust him for all things? Psalm 62 and verse 5. My soul waits you upon God. You must wait for him to take out of us that which is not a proper expectation that does not have to do with Christ. So we must wait for God to do the work in us what only he can do in his finished about us. My soul wait you upon God, for from him comes my expectation. And if he's not my expectation, if he's not your only expectation, if Jesus Christ is not that, if he's not, then the first thing that I will get is disappointed. And disappointment comes from looking away from your only expectation and my only expectation, Christ, and looking to someone else to fill that. Then when they don't, we feel like we get let down, and then what happens? We look within, and boy, when we look within, and that's what the enemy wants, when we look within, boy, do we get discouraged. We get discouraged. 
Disappointment, discouragement happens when Christ is not our only expectation. He's the only one that's done everything in terms of propitiating the Father. He himself is our only substitute, meaning he's our only expectation. And when we understand that, we become in our experiential intimacy with him, reconciled in new, fresh ways that are incredible. And then what is he? He that comes to God must, and this is John 3.30, he must increase. But I must decrease. I must decrease for him to increase. And that what? That he must believe, that you must trust, that you must, and I must know, and we all must know together in Christ, that he's our only expectation. Then we don't put false expectations on others. We don't put false burdens and false needs. This is the plan of the enemy. To make someone else to be what only Christ is in terms of our only expectation. Then what is he when we come to God? You see, this is what makes necessary the yoke. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me, all you who are laboring, stressing, stressing about failure or sin in your life, laboring. And then our heavy laden. So laboring has to do with what we do to ourselves, apart from Christ being our expectation. And heavy laden is when we go to others and they fail us, we take that on us. We take it on us. But he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are uh, laboring and, and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Give you rest. What? The finished work expectation of who Christ is in each of us as individuals. See, now we can have fellowship. I'm not looking for someone to be my expectation so I can feel good and then feel like God is for me. You see, feelings don't have to do anything with who God is for us. In Romans 8 and verse 31. In Psalm 44 and verse 22. So when I come to God, that I must believe and trust that he is my only expectation. And when I get to that place, look what it says. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. Did you seek him yesterday? Then we need to seek him today because we live by daily food. Moment by moment, daily food, daily expectation. And what I got yesterday well, is is was what I needed for yesterday. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. But today, still my expectation. Do I need my circumstance and my situation to change? Did God bless me in a certain place? Yes. Yes. Did he? Will he bless you today? Or do you need where you are today to be the same circumstance and situation you had yesterday or the day before. He's a rewarder of them 
that diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. And what does it mean? This is what it means. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What causes us to diligently seek him? I'll tell you what it is. It is you and I who are, who were and are sought out by God. We wouldn't even diligently seek him if he hadn't first sought us and still desires it. So he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him is their only expectation. Those that are sought out by him. How? By God giving us his son. And that they're, what? And, and those that seek him in Christ is their only expectation. Where he, Christ only, is to be found. And that with their whole hearts. Oh boy. And this is, this is where God does this. He must increase, but I must decrease. He's got to get all those disturbances and distractions, all those areas in our life where we're, uh, we are and we think fellowship is relying on one another to do something without Christ being the expectation. And then when you think you leave those that God may have given you a blessing with, you're going to lose some of that expectation. Well, Jesus Christ the same. Hebrews 13 and verse 8. Yesterday, today, and forever. So he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him based upon the fact that they were the sought out ones by God through giving us his son. And those who seek God in Christ, because that's the only way you find God, Jesus said in John 10.30, I and my Father are one. He said in 14 verse 9 of John, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that's why he said to Mary at the tomb, I'm going to my Father and your Father, my God and your God, in 20 and verse 17. So you have to seek him, though, with your whole heart. Meaning, is something or someone else your expectation when it's not Christ? You have to seek him with your whole heart and above all things else, above every other thing else, you must seek him. Because he's our only true expectation. When I have a true expectation, I have true intimacy. When I have that true intimacy, I have a true image. I have a true identity. And I won't identify myself even after my sin or failure. And that won't be my identity. My identity is Jesus Christ. He is my expectation. He is your expectation. He's our expectation together. And when he is, each of us, intimacy, what only Christ can be to each of us, then we have fellowship. Then we're teachable. Then we can go forward. And then we cannot be weary. You know, Luke 18, 1 says, men should always pray, men and women. It's different than 1 Timothy 2.8. 1 Timothy 2.8 is talking to males, as males, period, men. I, I wish above all things that men lift up holy hands. What is a holy hand ready to receive? Without wrath, 
and without doubting. And when Christ is not my expectation, when he's not your expectation, it's going to lead to us no longer lifting up our hands, having an expectation of holy hands. And when they get dirty, we come to him in James 4 and verse 8, and he cleanses our hands and purifies our minds from being double-minded, but we have to come to him. And when he's not the expectation, all there's going to be end up is some kind of wrath or doubting. And in Romans 14, 23, when Christ is not my expectation, and he that doubts is damned if he eats, because he's not eating. He doesn't eat on faith, great expectation, Christ. Whatsoever is not of faith dependence, Christ the expectation, is what? It's called sin. It's called sin. So what is it? Above all things, when we seek him and him only is our expectation, then God is a rewarder of grace in himself who is their exceeding great reward. And that has to do with his son and all things with him. And then he gives us what? He gives us more grace. More and more grace. More and more and more grace. In Romans chapter 5, you look at how it flows in chapter 5, verses 1, all the way through to 21. He's our great expectation. And then he, he gives us, in time, this grace that leads us until at last we see him face to face. And 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 12. Then we have eternal glory. We experience the reward of the inheritance. We seek him out. And what a privilege that is. That's what he is. He's a rewarder. And again, Luke 18, 1. Men, men and women here, but men should always pray and not faint not faint. Galatians 6, 9, 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 13, be not weary in well-doing. Be not weary in walking in the good things that God has for us as individuals. For you will reap. You'll reap. And that's why you'll reap in due season if you faint not, if you turn coward, if you lose your grip. He never loses his grip on us. But the enemy wants to cause that so that we fall short experientially, never positionally. Again, sin doesn't even touch our position in Christ, but it can affect our fellowship, our intimacy, our great expectation, our great expectation. And so men there should always pray. They're not faint. Not lose their grip. Not listen. Not lose. Christ is your only expectation. Not to lose him. And even here, there's so much. Even in the types, where so much, so much of the scriptures. Listen, God's only expectation for us as the church is Christ himself. What do we seek when we come together with one another? Is it the Christ that's in each other? Or the person apart from the expectation that Christ is in them? 
We want them to be something more apart from who Christ is in them. And so we put false burdens and false needs. Well, there's only one burden bearer in Psalm 55 and verse 22. There's only one in 1 Peter 5, 7. And that's the mediator. And there's only one of those in 1 Timothy 2, 5, and that's Jesus Christ. Listen, there's one mediator between God and men. Listen, in one sense, the mediator is the expectation. That's it. He's it. Christ is that. He is our expectation. He's the, he is the apostle and great high priest of our faith in Hebrews 3 and verse 1. So when we faint, and we will at times, and when we do, what can we do instantly? We can come to him. Again, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. We can run to him. Why? Because in Hebrews 4 and verse 14, we have a great high priest who's passed into the heavens. And he's not a high priest who did not, who wasn't touched by the feeling of our infirmities, but was in every way tested, not tempted like you and I are, but tested in every way so that now we can come to him. How quickly should we come to him? Then how quickly do we experience him? Truth, truth, truly, and in all reality, that he's the expectation. It's not something. It's not a job. It's not a money. It's not a house. No, he himself is our expectation. And that's why it says in Matthew 6 and even in verse 33, it says, seek you first the kingdom of God. Is there a kingdom without a king? Seek you first the kingdom of God. Then all these other things will be added unto you. And those things will never be, never be used by us to replace him as our only expectation. But they just become a means of us serving and worshiping and being used by him for others. And it won't just be something about ourselves, when we want it, how we want it, and what we think we need, and what we think is an expectation, and that without it, we would fail, or without it, we would get weary and weak. And that's why we always need to pray and lift up holy hands, even in the spiritual warfare, in Ephesians 6, 10. To 19, that spiritual warfare again that it speaks of. And again, we'll just read that and we'll close that this morning, that, that portion. But let's, we'll just read here in Ephesians again in the sixth chapter. And we were sharing this morning prior to the time that we're having now in the Word that before we even get into the intensity of spiritual conflict. The reason for the intensity of the spiritual conflict is the reason because of the intensity and the overwhelming beauty of the first five chapters of Ephesians. The first five. 
And so, again, that's even, again, we, we have this desire. Don't we have this desire? I have that desire. And, of course, if it's a godly desire, who gave me that? In Psalm 37 and verse 4. You know, when there's not a godly desire, when there's not, when Christ is not the godly desire, when he himself is not the expectation, do we roll on him all our other cares? Is he not greater than anything? Well, Ephesians 5 and verse 1, it says, Therefore be imitators of God. You want to be like your, you want to be like children. Don't they want to be like their father? We wouldn't have one without Christ. Therefore be imitators of God as of those children that are so deeply loved. And then when you do, when this is your expectation, Christ is your expectation, you will continue to walk in this love just as Christ also loved you, you and I, and individually, and gave himself up for us, this is great love, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a very fragrant aroma. Beautiful. And so when we look at all of this, and, and the beauty of what we have in, in there, then we, we see that. So Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, it, it's bringing out here the beauty and reality of our expectation. God, had great, God the Father had great expectations for us, and they were all met in his Son by propitiation. By becoming the substitute and, and the reconciling, he's constantly reconciling us through constant conversions. This is Luke 22, 31 and 32. And we can put our name there. Simon, Simon. Jesus said to him, speaking to Peter, and like he speaks to us this morning, Satan has desired you. He's begged and gotten my permission to sift you as wheat to put you in his sieve and to violently shake you. But I've allowed that so that you don't have false expectations anymore. That you don't have false burdens and false needs and no one else can put false burdens and false needs on you. Not that you don't minister and still love, but you don't live in those. And that's Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Even chastisement is this loving chastisement. It's a separating, sanctifying process. And if you look at verses 25 to 29, he shakes. And that's what he was saying to Peter in Luke 22, 31. Simon, Simon, I want your attention. Listen to me, listen to me. That's what he's saying. Simon, Simon, whatever your name is. Listen to me, listen, listen to me. That's what God is speaking to us through his son, through the word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Satan has desired you and gotten my permission to sift you as wheat, like he did to Job. But I have prayed for you. He wants to violently shake you, but I've prayed for you that your dependence on me would never fail. Your expectation would never cease to be my son and what he's done for you. And he's going to violently shake us. But the, but the greater the violent shaking, and then he said to Peter, he said, and when you're converted, not if, but when you're converted, all these other false expectations, 
picking someone else. Oh, you can't do it without that person that you may have had fellowship with. Really? Then was Christ your expectation or was he even there? If he was, that's great. That's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing. But he has this shaking process. And that's even his loving chastisement. He allows the enemy to do it. That when you're strengthened, when you're, when you're converted, when you're convicted that I'm your only expectation, when Christ is, then you will in turn strengthen your brethren. You'll grace them out too. And so as we close, let's just read about the spiritual warfare, the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Is, is Jesus Christ strong? Has he conquered death? Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Has he conquered death for us? Has he, has he propitiated the Father in Genesis 22 and, and verse 8 and John 1 and verse 29? Has he propitiated the Father? Has he now become and our substitute, our means of propitiation in 1 John 2, 1 and 2? Has he dealt with all of our sins in Psalm 103 and verse 12? Is he preparing a place for us in John 14, 1 to 3? Is anything troubling us? We can run to him, as it was said in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Is anything about him, as our expectation, not been met? No wonder it says he's a rewarder of them that will diligently seek him. Diligently. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Psalm 102, verse 23, he has to weaken our strength, false expectation, material things. And he shortens our days in that way. That's, um, again, Psalm 102, verse 23. Put on the full armor of God so that you as an individual, will be able to stand firm against the wiles, the schemes, the methodia of the, of the devil, all his lies. Listen, he's the father of all lies in John 8, verse 44. Don't believe the lie that you need this thing to have a full expectation. Christ is your expectation. Seek him first. Then he will add all things unto you. And they will be for his glory not only for your blessing, you will no longer live just for yourself. You're going to live for him, for others. And I'm going to live for him, for others. And not live a lonely, isolated life. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against that, the devil, the father of all lies. And what is a lust? In John 8, verse 44, he's the father of all lies, and he was a murderer from the beginning, and the lust of your father you will do. The lust, whatever. What is a lust? Something that's not Christ. It's not equal to he who is my only expectation. He who is my life, in Colossians 3, and verse 4. For our struggle, we forget this very easily. We all do. For our struggle is not against blood and flesh. We need to know that. Our struggles aren't that. 
but against the rulers, the powers, the world forces of this darkness, that thought force from the enemy, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies. So therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you yourself will have that supernatural ability that Christ is in you is your only expectation to resist in the evil day. The evil day here, literally, in the original means at that specific time. The very specific time. What God blessed you with yesterday or the day before, he doesn't have still much more. He does. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We'll get into these things in a future time. They're loaded. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This isn't preaching peace. It's the peace that each of us have in the midst of warfare, in the midst of spiritual warfare that comes against each of us individually, we have peace because Ephesians 2 and verse 15, he is our peace. And he encircles us and garrisons us with that peace in Philippians 4 and verse 7. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, all those teachings about who Christ is and his person, the greatest expectation. And what he has finished about all those expectations. Taking up the shield of faith with which you yourself will be able to extinguish all those flaming arrows. Those lustful lies that tell you you need something other than him to make it today. That you need him to do something when you think he should do it. You're missing and I would be missing our expectation at that time. That's why it says in Psalm 62 and verse 5, my soul waits. Why? Because we're in spiritual warfare. Read Daniel the 10th chapter 1 through 13. God heard our prayers, but it, it didn't seem to because it, my expectation wasn't met when I thought it should be. Well, Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Why? It's not a proper desire not God's proper desire. It's not Christ. It's not his timing and his provision. That's why. You need to be content with such things as you have. For he has said, he has said it in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never, no, never, no, never in any way ever leave you or forsake you. I will never forsake you or leave you. I will never not be the greatest expectation. Our struggle is against that. We need to take it up and stand firm. In addition to all that, taking up that shield of faith with which we'll be able to extinguish all those flaming lies. You know, what a flaming arrow can be lust. Intense lust in someone. I've got to have this thing. Why? Why do we lust? Why are we? And lust is insatiable. It's never satisfied. Why? Because we miss experientially, he's our only expectation. He's the only expectation. We don't need things. 
and take the helmet of salvation. And notice, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, it's the sword of the Spirit. Only He can take the things of Christ in John 16, 13, and 14 and show them unto us. He's that unction. He's that anointing in 1 John 2, 20. And we don't have need of any man to teach us. And in that sense, in 1 John 2 and verse 27, any man can be the man in the flesh. We may know certain things about the Word of God, but without Christ being the expectation, without a yoke and without submission, we become the interpreter of them. And we fall way short of how Christ himself has our expectations. It's the sword of the Spirit. He's the theologian. He's the scholar. And he's the one that brings into the reality of our expectation the word of God. And that's why it says in verse 18, with all prayer, with all prayer and petition, keep knocking, Matthew 7 and verse 7. You keep knocking, keep trusting. Luke 11 and 11. Keep knocking and keep knocking. And don't quit. Don't quit. Pray at all times in the Spirit. But praying at all times. Specific times. Very specific times. In the Spirit. And with this in view. And what? This will cause us to be on the alert. With all perseverance. And petition for who? For all saints. And then Paul said, and pray, and on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness, as I should, the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. I am chained to him. I'm not the prisoner of Rome, Paul was saying. I'm not the prisoner of the world system. No. I am, in Ephesians 3.1 and Ephesians 4.1, I am a prisoner of the Lord. I'm more than an, uh, a conqueror in Romans 8 and verse 37. I'm already more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. And so pray that in proclaiming, heralding, preaching and teaching, preaching Christ as the greatest expectation for any man, woman, or child, that, that I may speak boldly, 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 with no fear, but in love, as I ought to speak, as I ought to. And Father, we thank you this morning that we can, we can only speak the right way when Christ is our expectation. It's the only way we can do that, Father, through submission. We just thank you and praise you for your your godly and loving counsel. Your only counsel is your, your son. And he's ours. And you've made him ours. And we're thankful for that this morning. And we know that the only place we can be thankful is in your presence. Because in your presence there's the fullness of your joy. And then we see at the right hand where Christ is seated all our pleasures, all our expectations have to do with Jesus Christ, who's fulfilled them all and is working them out in us. 
through this world system as pilgrims and strangers in 1 Peter 2.11 and then until we see him face to face in 1 Corinthians 13.12 and we have intimate fellowship where never again there'll be a disturbance or distraction from receiving the intimacy and great expectation of that love that he has for us individually in Revelations 2 and verse 17. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.